I am not Pastor John Ragsdale, as that video implied. I am I'm Jared Johnson, our gatherings and groups pastor here at the Hills. And uh, sadly, Pastor John is a little under the weather today. So started running some fever last night. And, um, and so he is staying home to rest and recuperate. So I want you to look back at the cameras and say, get well soon, Pastor John. Wow, he'll get, he'll get real well based on that. But in the, uh, in the late evening hours when he wasn't feeling really well, Pastor Kristen looked over him and, and, and said, in the spirit of Halloween, who are you going to call? <laughs> to which he responded, Nope, nope, Ghostbusters! Sadly, the Ghostbusters were not available this morning on such short notice, but I was. So here, hey, thank you. No, but hey, we had a lot of fun this weekend. We had our fall fest yesterday. I just want to say a special thank you to everyone who volunteered, who made a trunk and came and participated in the fun. It was a a real treat. And if you missed out on it, hey, never fear. We have another one planned in about 364 more days. So... (laughs) You have no excuse. Get that costume ready, all right? So, but no, it was, a, it was a real treat yesterday if you got to be a part. But um, last week, Pastor John, he delivered a, a really powerful message on divine alignment. And I know we say this a lot, but I encourage you, if you did not watch it last week, go back and watch it because it made me want to run through a brick wall. I don't know about anybody else in here. Pumped me up. And Pastor, he, he challenged us to adjust our perspective, adjust our thinking to realize God's purpose for our lives by declaring divine alignment of the right resources. Because so, so often the blockades between us and God's purpose for our life could be financial, physical resources that we have lack of. He said we needed to de- de- declare divine alignment of the right relationships. We need to have these right people in our lives at the right time. Because if your God-given purpose and dream can be, be fulfilled alone, that's not a God-given purpose or dream. We need other people, right? And then he said we had to have divine alignment of the right reasons. Like the why behind what we do is more important than the what that we do. And and to do this, to get into this divine alignment, we must line ourselves up with God's word and with God's will. And today, I I would like to take that a step further and say that in order to get our lives into this divine alignment, we must also line up with God's way. Because if if you're anything like me, hearing that message last week, I, I was ready to go. I was ready to declare God's word over my life. I was ready to believe him for the right resources and the right relationships. I was going to put all of my right reasons in stone, put them up on a wall and say, that's what I'm, I'm standing for. But if I set out on this mission for alignment outside of the way of God, God's great purpose for my life will become my subpar product. Because you better believe if I try to do God's will my way, the end product will be a lot like my will. And if you're walking down a path towards God's will, it makes sense that you would follow God's way. Why would I try to follow my own way? But so often we do. And I don't know about you, but my way seems to lead to thorns and thistles and me acting like an idiot and putting my foot in my mouth and hurting people's feelings and making everything all about me. 
You know, I, I love the Bible because we don't have to look very hard to find the way of God. If you have your Bibles today or your electronic Bibles, I would love for you to turn with me to Mark 10. We're going to turn to the book of Mark today. And to set the scene for what's going on here in Mark 10, we have Jesus and his disciples. They're making what would be their final trip to Jerusalem. At this point, Jesus had fed the 5,000. He had healed the sick. He raised Lazarus from the dead. And he had just told the disciples, just in the chapter before, he told the disciples, with God, all things are possible. Wow. Heavy. Whoa. His his popularity and his polarity, they're at an all-time high. And just before they enter the city, he pulls the disciples in for a, a final, very serious reminder. So if you were, it's Mark 10, verse 32. Let's read together. It says, they were on their way up to Jerusalem with Jesus leading the way and the disciples were astonished while those who followed were afraid. And again, he took the 12 aside and he told them what was gonna happen to him. We're going up to Jerusalem, he said, and the son of man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and they'll hand him over to the Gentiles who will mock him and spit on him, flog him and kill him. And three days later, he will rise. And can't you feel the weight of those sentences? They're so heavy, so violent. This, this was how the past three years of ministry and life together was going to end. And it was going to end violently. And I can envision the disciples big-eyed, listening earnestly, appearing like they're hanging on every single word that's coming out of his mouth. And then they opened their mouths. Mark 10, verse 35, then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Guys, were you sleeping through what Jesus just said? He just poured his heart out to you. He told you he was going to be beaten and spit on and killed, and that, that is what you choose to respond with? I mean, come on, man, for real. Jesus very patiently responds in verse 36 and says, what, what do you want me to do for you, he asked. They replied, Let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in glory. Again, are you kidding me? Hey, James and John, read the room, please. Maybe save the really selfish request until after dinner, at least, maybe. I mean, the other disciples, they heard this. They were around, and it says they were indignant per scripture. They were indignant, but not in a how dare you ask Jesus that sort of way, not in a how rude kind of way, but in a, hey, we want to be on his left and right too kind of way. What about us? It says in Mark 10, verse 41, then the 10 heard about this. They became indignant with James and John. And Jesus said, okay, all right, time out. This is getting off the rails a little bit. He gathers them together and he says, 
you know, guys, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. In, in other words, you know the, those rulers and those leaders in the outside world, that you know how they lord over their people, that they use their authority and they leverage their power against their subjects, against their people? You know how the Gentiles do that? And, and how their high officials exercise authority over them? To which the disciples would have been like, yep, yep, we know that. That, hence the whole let, let us sit on your right and left in glory question, Jesus. Because we're not about to have some Gentile rulers lord over us. And, and if anybody's going to do the lording, Jesus, shouldn't it be us? I mean, if anybody, I mean, shouldn't it be us, the ones with the, the right reasons, the right relationships, the right resources for furthering your kingdom of God, shouldn't it be us that sit at the top and do the lording? Jesus says, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. And then Jesus says four words that knocked them on their heels. He said four words that still ring loudly 2,000 years later. He said, not so with you. Not so with you. Not so with you, my disciples. Not so with you, anyone who ever wants to bear the name of Jesus follower. Not so with you. But, but Jesus, other powerful leaders, they, they seem cutthroat and they're, they're demanding. And it seems like they're always getting ahead. Not so with you. But Jesus, leaders in my life, they have, they've, they've kind of been jerks, if I'm honest. And they leverage their power for their own good. Not so with you. Jesus is saying, you as my followers are not to leverage your power to lord over another person. You are not to follow the way of or lead like the rest of the world in this way. Jesus goes on to, to ask a question. He says, do, do you want to be great? which may have felt like a trick question after all the not-so-with-you business from earlier. But I ask all of you that today. Do you want to be great? Yeah, it's not a trick question. Yes, the answer is yes. We all want to be great. We, we want to be great to live great lives. And Pastor John always says he doesn't want us to be a good church. He wants us to be a great church. But true greatness comes by following a different way. Jesus says in verse 43, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. And this was a message for everyone. It was told directly to the 12, but it is still relevant for us today. This concept is not just for the least and for the lowest, this concept is not for the person with the seemingly small God-given purpose to be great. We are to serve everyone else. Whether you are the CEO of a Fortune 500 or you're waxing the floors, you become a slave to all to follow the way of God. This is how his way works and your impact on the kingdom of God won't be because of the size of your God-given dream, but it will be because of the depth of your God-commanded submission to those around you. Jesus eliminates 
all confusion. If we had any question like, is he talking to me? He, he answers that in verse 45. Verse 45, for even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus' way of serving others, it, it just, it works. It works for having a healthy marriage. It, it works in your friendships. It works at your job. And you better believe it works when you are running headlong after his great purpose for your life. It is his way. It is the way of his kingdom. His way says, I am here to serve you and help you achieve success, no matter your ability to help me in return. His way says, no matter if we have different talents and different callings, there are no non-essential members to the body of Christ. And so you will get my full attention and my full care and my full effort. His way says, when I was rotten and helpless and far from God, he made himself a servant to me. And he took a torture that I deserved. And he died a death I should have died and gave me eternal life. So in light of that, I too will become a servant to all. I will submit myself to those around me. In his letter to the Ephesians, the Apostle Paul says, we walk in the way of love, a.k.a. We, we line up with the way of Jesus by verse 21, Ephesians 5, by submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So that means because of your love for Jesus, in honor to honor him as much as possible, in, honor, in order to get into divine alignment with his way, submit to one another. Submit to everyone. And I challenge you this morning to get into the habit of asking the most spiritual question a person can ask. How can I help? It's simple but powerful. When someone asks that question, how can I help? Especially if someone asks that question down to someone seemingly not as far along as you are or, or someone who, who seemingly can't help you push your purpose further down the road. When you ask the question of those, that's the key. That continues the legacy that Jesus started right here. And it makes you look like Jesus. You know, I... I often think about Jesus' last Passover with his disciples. Have you ever envisioned that moment? I, I want to kind of build the scene out for you. So it's the Passover. So it's a massive holiday in Jewish culture. And they were going to have a dinner together with all the disciples and Jesus. Food was all ready. The venue was, was picked. The table was set perfectly. It was pristine. And then right before dinner, all of the disciples looked around and said, oh, no, no, we, we forgot. We didn't get anybody to come in and, and wash, wash feet. We didn't hire out a servant for the night. This is, oh, no, what are we going to do? You think maybe we can slip somebody 20 bucks and they'll come in and scrub a dub-dub a little bit? No? Maybe we could draw straws? Hold on, where's Judas? Judas would be good at this. But then... They see Jesus. He's not looking around for anybody else. He kneels down. He removes his outer garment. 
he takes a towel and he ties it around his waist and he pulls over a basin of water. And he begins to go one by one and wash every foot in that room. Can you just imagine how long it takes to wash 12 sets of feet? Jesus made himself low, placed them on his back so he could lift them up. He made himself a servant and washed the feet of his disciples, of his bride. The disciples had to be mortified, sitting there, watching him do this, painstakingly one foot after the other. I'm sure they had memories flooding back of their conversation on the road to Jerusalem when they were so worried what what it meant to be a leader, what their position was going to be in the hierarchy of the kingdom of God. I'm sure all, all of these questions, how they were to lead, how they were to attain greatness. Do you think for one second in that room that there was any doubt what leadership looked like? In that room where all you could hear was the gentle splashing of water as the king of kings, the son of God, the savior of the world served his followers. Do you think there was any shred of uncertainty on what greatness looked like in that moment? Jesus finished and he challenged his disciples to remember what I'm doing. Look for feet to wash because I am here for you, because I have done this for you, go and do this for other people. Because I have helped you, go and help other people. Because I'm about to leverage all of me, all of me for what benefits you the most, you go and leverage all of yourself for other people. This way It transformed the world. That's why we're still talking about it. 2,000 years later. And this way will transform your life. It will transform your home. It will transform your office. And it will transform your God-given purpose. So this is my prayer for all of us. As Jesus followers... As, as people eager to run after his purpose for our lives. I pray we take this teaching from Jesus to heart. I pray we study his way and then we go and do likewise. Let me pray over you this morning. If you would, bow your heads. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this moment being captured. So now we we can see and understand your way. Your way that is counterintuitive, it's countercultural, but Jesus, it is the way. God, we've tried and failed putting ourselves first, lifting ourselves up, Lord, today help us 
understand this, understand your way and put it to practice in our lives. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Now, each and every week, we'd be remiss if we didn't offer an opportunity for you to respond. If you've never started a relationship with Jesus or if you've realized I am... I am going right down my own way towards my own will, which is going to lead to nothing. If that's you this morning, I'm encouraging you and welcoming you just to take a next step. Take a step toward Jesus. Take a step toward his way of doing things. And you don't have to climb up a mountain of broken glass to get there. Jesus came and And that's Christianity begins not with a big do on your part, but a big done on the part of Jesus. So I encourage you, if that's you that's wanting to make that next step towards him today, start that relationship with Jesus. Why don't you repeat after me? And Hill's family, why don't we all just join in with our brothers and sisters as we pray this morning. Pray, Lord Jesus, I thank you for the gospel. I thank you for making yourself low so that you could lift me up. Today, Lord, I admit I need you. I believe in your death, your burial, and your resurrection. I confess you as Lord of my life today. I confess you as Savior of my soul. I give all that I have to you, Jesus. And I want all that you have for me. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you so much. So glad you're here this morning. Ron?